Oh, hello, everybody. It's so, so wonderful to get to be with you today. And today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 26. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn to it, or it will come up on the screen. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Now, these are difficult words from Jesus, but I think within them, we find the answer to many of the questions that we're asking in our life. Here, Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Today, we're going to look at how to live your best life. And um, it's nearly the end of January, and I can't believe it. I know that so many New Year's resolutions were like, 2022 is going to be my year. Well, today we're going to look at how we can live our best life and how we can live our best year. But you know what? For me, for so long, I wanted to live my best life, and I was doing everything in my power to do it. But I was a mess. I guess it all started when I was born. I was born in Miami. I was actually, I was born in a prison cell in Miami. My, my mom and dad were drug addicts, and their, their relationship was really tricky. Um, I stayed in Miami until I was around three, when I was brought here to the UK to live with my grandmother, um, because my mom had to spend some time in rehab. But when I got brought here to London, it was also tricky because all my family um, are either recovering alcoholics or drug addicts, and there's not a single marriage in my entire family. So we're all, I was brought up by very strong women, which was great, but also terrifying. Um, but they were, they were all wonderful, and, and they did so much for me, especially my grandmother. Her name was Melba. Um, unfortunately, my grandmother passed away when I was 16. No, when I was 14. And I went downhill so quickly. By the age of 16, I was in a young offender's prison. It's called Huntercombe. And, and I came out of prison, and I was trying to do everything in my power to find my life. I was trying to do everything in my power to, to live my best life. I was trying to do everything I could. Everything that the world would tell me was good, I tried to have it. All the money I could have, all the popularity I could find, all the comforts I could attain, but it was destroying me from the inside out. At the age of 19, I was a complete mess um, at my lowest points. I think I was staying awake for about five days without eating or sleeping, and, and I was just completely lost. Um, when, my when my grandmother passed away, though, my mom started going to church, and, and now God has done an amazing work in my mom's life. She's an incredible woman. She's done so much for me, and he, she's, God's completely transformed, transformed her life. But when I was 14, she started going to church, and her form of, of evangelism was, um, was kidnapping. Basically, um, yeah, when I was around 15, she'd basically kidnap me in the car and, um, and force me to go to church, but I'd run away as quickly. As soon as she opened the door, I'd run away, hoping that she wouldn't find me until the following Sunday. 
But ever since then, she would be telling me about God and about how he was real and about how he had changed her life. But, but by that point, I didn't want anything to do with it until I was 19. So as I was telling you, I was a complete mess. I was trying to do everything in my power to find my own life, but it was only destroying me from the inside out. And at this point, I was in this drug den in South London, and it was a drug house where people kind of would sell drugs, and I was there. And one day, this drug dealer came into the building, and he was somebody that we knew. Um, but this day was completely different. He, he sort of just stopped one day, and he, had look, he just looked at me in a way that he'd never looked at me before. And, and he just said to me, Fernando, God loves you, and he has a plan for your life. Now, I don't know how often you tend to go to drug dens in South London, um, but that rarely ever happens. And in that moment, I just felt like, I, all the things that my mom was telling me, I just felt like in that moment, I felt like it was real. I felt like God was reaching out to me to tell me that he loved me. This set me on a journey. Um, not long after that, I, I ended up going to rehab for, for four months because I got arrested and I was, getting, um, I was getting charged with possession with intent to supply. So I went to rehab for four months just to get away from it all. And those four months were incredible. God did so much in my life. But when I came back to London, I got found guilty. I got a two-year suspended sentence, which was good because that meant I could start going to church. But really, it was so difficult for me to let go of my old life. Even though God had done such an amazing work in my life, and even though I had gone to rehab, I had seen him kind of reach out to save me, I found it so difficult to let go of the comforts that were holding me close. I, f I found it so difficult to, to let, let go of um, all the stuff the world had to offer that I was holding onto so dearly. So it was like I was taking one step forward and 10 steps back when I came back from Colombia. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that when you're trying to let go of stuff. It just, for me, it was just so hard. Even though I knew that's what I had to do, I just felt like I couldn't. Until one day, I was at a retreat. It's sort of like the Alpha Weekend retreat, but this was in, in a Latin American Pentecostal church that I used to go to. So instead of the Alpha Weekend, it was called a fire encounter, um, which is very Latin and Pentecostal, which was great. But I was in this, I was in this kind of fire encounter or weekend away, and, and it was just, I was so desperate because I wanted more of God. I was so desperate because I knew I didn't want to do this anymore. I wanted to let go of all that stuff. I knew that it was destroying me, but I just, I just couldn't do it. So I went to this retreat and I was saying, God, please, will you do something in my life? And, um, and I remember this day so clearly. I was standing at the back of the, the church service, well, the, the hall, well, the room, and, um, and I just had my eyes closed. And, and one of the people praying, I, I don't even really remember who it was, just came up to me, and, and ever so lightly, she just laid a hand on my shoulder. And, and as she prayed... I remember just hearing the audible voice of God. And he just said to me again, Fernando, I will love you no matter what you do. And I, and I just remember that moment so clearly because it was just like everything in my life until that point that I was struggling to let go of, everything in my life up until that moment, moment that had like a power over my life, I just felt almost God's love just break in and and all that stuff just lost its hold over my life. 
and my life was never again the same. I was able to let go of the stuff that was killing me. I was able to to lose my life, really, and find true life in Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. How do we find our life? How do we live our best lives? The most asked question on Google last year was, who am I? And the truth is that all of us are looking for purpose. We ask questions like, what am I destined to do? Who am I I destined to be? What was I born for? I wonder if any of you have ever asked those questions. There's a famous quote that says, the two most important days of our lives, the first one is the day that we were born, and the second is the day we, 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 we understand why. And there's just a deep desire in all of us to understand why. That's why we have Alpha and all the questions that they ask. What is the purpose of this? But the thing is, culture and the world around us, it tells us to look inward, to do everything that we can for ourselves, to make our lives better. But in my experience, whenever I lived for myself, it destroyed my life. And here, what Jesus is telling us to do is to to let go of our lives and to hold on to the life that he has in store for us. I love what Rick Warren writes in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He says this, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you are placed on the planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. The search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin at the wrong starting point, ourselves. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams, and my future? But focusing on ourselves never will reveal our life's purpose. What we need to do is place our eyes on Jesus and ask him what his purpose for our lives is. And that's what we're going to do today. The promise that we're looking at, what Jesus says, is that you will find your life. If you want to find your life, you can only find it in Jesus. And here he tells us how to find our lives. So do you want to find your life? The first thing that Jesus says to us is, change your mind. The verse is, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. The very first thing Jesus says to his disciples, if they're to find life, true life, true meaning, if they're to live their best life, is to deny themselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate denying myself. Um, This year, I recently got a nutritionist. I don't know if any, do any of you do CrossFit? Have you guys ever heard of CrossFit? Yeah? Okay, well, I take part in this thing called CrossFit, and um, this year, I want to do a lot better than last year. Um, So I took on this nutritionist to help me anyway. So I've been kind of trying to count the things that I eat. there's just one thing I always tend to forget to put in the thing to show my nutritionist. And it's the Nutella that I put on the toast every single morning. I just find it so difficult to deny myself of that Nutella. I just don't understand why. Um, I also find it so difficult to deny myself of um, the next episode of Squid Games. I'm late to the show, and it is very violent. So if you haven't watched it, don't watch it. 
But if you have watched it, it's so sick. But, um, but anyway, I found it so difficult to deny myself of the next episode. So I ended up watching like seven in one night and I had just had nightmares the whole night. Um, I just find it so difficult to deny myself of those things. Um, but here Jesus is, um, is telling us to deny ourselves is a lot more than, than Nutella and the next episode of um, Squid Games, which you shouldn't watch, but if you do, it's great. Um, because Jesus begins his ministry in Matthew 4, 17. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repentance, just as we read today with the baptism, is something so important, but it simply means just to change our minds about what we're living for and who we're living for. It's changing the way that we live and denying ourselves of the things that we think that we want. And the call from Jesus from the beginning of his ministry up until the end when he was telling his disciples to follow him, it was a call of changing their mind and denying themselves. But why do you think it's so important for us to deny ourselves? Why do you think Jesus tells us to deny ourselves in the same sentence where he tells us to find our lives? Well, in the surrounding passages in Matthew 16, Jesus is telling his disciples that, that he came to be the suffering Messiah. Um, actually, just before then, um, Jesus was speaking to his disciple, and he was telling them this, and, he actually had, and, and one of the disciples rebuked Jesus. It's so funny when you read that. Um, and Jesus actually told him off and said, get behind me, Satan. Um, because Jesus was telling them that he came to earth to suffer for them. They all thought that the Messiah would come, that he'd rule, that he'd overthrow Rome, that he would lift them up to power. But Jesus came to be a different sort of savior. He came to die in their place. The thing is, this, that since the beginning of, of the world, when sin entered, when man chose to disobey God, this sin entered the world and it began to destroy everything. It began to destroy our lives, but it also wrecked our relationship with God because God is holy. He can't dwell where sin dwells. And, and you know sin. Sin is just the stuff that hurts us and hurts the people around us. It also hurts God's heart. And, and sin brings shame. So often there are things in our life that, that we don't want to talk about because we're ashamed of it. And often that's a result of the sin that we've committed. And that's why deep down we know it's not right. And this sin, it severs the relationship with God. And it's so serious in God's eyes that, that the book of Romans, Paul actually says that the consequences of sin is death. But God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to, to restore the world, to restore your life, to restore my life, so that we could be made whole again and have a relationship with God. And Jesus came to suffer for you and for me. He came to die in our place so that we could have true life, so that we could live our best life. These are four things that I found that Jesus kind of went through um, for us. Now, my spelling may be off, and, and so might my handwriting. So if you don't understand it, um, then just bear with me. I'm sorry. Jesus went through opposition. Jesus went through shame. Jesus went through suffering. And ultimately, Jesus died for us. And Jesus faced these things 
because he came to live the life that you and I could not live. He came to be sinless for us. He came to pay the penalty for sin, which was death, and he died in our place so that we could have life. I love what it says in John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. But in order for us to receive what Jesus has done for us, just like the people today, as they were baptized, they had to repent, change their mind of the way they were living, and deny their lives, we too must deny ourselves and change our minds about the way we're living if we're to really follow Jesus and the plans that he has in store for us. So it's so difficult to actually pinpoint what are the things that I need to deny. It's so difficult to actually pinpoint and say, I mean, a lot of it, it's in the Bible, but, but it's really difficult to, to kind of categorize it all. So I think just by us looking at what Jesus went through, I think it's also, we're also able to look at maybe four things which I think Jesus calls us to deny to follow him, to find true life. So these are the four things that Jesus went through, and I think these are the four things Jesus calls us to deny. So it's the opposite of these. So op- opposite of opposition is approval. Opposite of shame is honor. You? Opposite of suffering is comfort. And opposite of death is safety. Now, these four things on the surface don't look like bad things. But I've just always gone back to these things and thought, but what have I done in the pursuit of approval? What have I done in the pursuit of honor? What have I done for the pursuit of comfort? And what have I done in the pursuit of safety? As I look back at these things, and I was, as I was reading this and asking Jesus, Jesus, what did you want me to say? Why were you showing me these verses to, 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 to talk about how to live our best life and how we can really find true life? And, and Jesus was showing me that I, I was reminded of all the lies I've told to seek the approval of man. I was reminded of all the times I've, I've put others down so that I could be honored. I was reminded of all the immorality I took part in that really only left me empty and wrecked my heart in the pursuit of comfort. All the times I've, I've cheated in the pursuit of safety. Now I know that these are difficult things to hear, but what Jesus is saying to us in this passage is that he wants you to find your life. He wants you to live your best life. But in order for us to find true life, to live our best life, the first thing he says is, deny yourself. And I think we need to change our minds about what we're living for and who we're living for. Who's first in your life? What's the first desire of your heart? What do you wake up every morning to live for? Is it Jesus, or is it approval, honor, comfort, and safety? Since I came out of rehab, that's been 10 years ago now, 
And, um, and it's been such a roller coaster. God's done such, I mean, I'm so grateful. Sometimes I still don't quite believe it that I get to be in places like this with amazing people like you, that I get to know Martin and Emily who have been so fantastic in my life. And, and, and ever since then, I, I remember I, I left school with, with, um, with no GCSEs and God has somehow done a work that I managed to go to college, I went to university, uh, I got a degree, I should have gone to the Spear course like you guys do. I get to help out in Spear now and it's so incredible the things that these guys do. I wish I would have done a Spear course back in the day. Um, I went to uni, then I did another degree in theology and then I did my master's and, and two years ago I got ordained at St. Paul's Cathedral um, which is such a huge honor. I mean, I get to be at HTB which is a massive privilege. I mean, I didn't even know what getting ordained was like five years ago. <laughs> um, but, but God did such an incredible work in changing my life. But I'm still reminded even now, um, even of all the things that God has done in my life, um, I know that laying down our lives and, and changing our mind and denying ourselves isn't just for when we first decide to follow Jesus. It happens then. It's an initial commitment that I had to change, let go of all the things that were holding me back. But it's also an everyday commitment that I need to make every single day. Even now, I'm, I'm still reminded, just as I was reading this, of how self-centered I could be, of how much I still just want so much approval from people, of how much I want honor from people, of how much I'm able to do to make myself feel so comfortable and find safety. And God was telling me even now, 10 years on, even while being ordained, that I still need to change my mind and deny myself. So I wanted to ask you guys a question. What might God be calling you to change your mind about? If you're to find your life this year, if you're to live your best life in 2022, if you're to live your best life with Jesus at the center, what might God be calling you to change your mind about? Because that's the first thing that Jesus says, change your mind. The second thing that he says is, change your path. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Now, um, if the first one was hard of denying ourselves and changing our mind, I think the second one's a little bit harder. Because as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's telling them what's going to happen. He came to tell them he's going to be the suffering Messiah, but not, he's not just going to die any sort of death. He was going to be crucified for them. And Jesus wasn't the only person that was crucified at that time. Loads of people were crucified. It was a way that the Romans used to deter other criminals. And what would happen is they would carry a cross. It was almost like sometimes 135 kilograms through the town, and they were mocked by everybody who saw them. And often they would die of asphyxiation. And when Jesus was telling this to his disciples, all of them knew exactly what he meant because they would see it. And nowadays, we don't see that. So it's often quite difficult to, um, to understand what Jesus meant by that. And sometimes, you know, I wake up, I only slept seven hours instead of eight. And I just think, oh, today I really need to carry my cross. <laughs> I love Jesus. And sometimes I know that I can say those things. And, and it's sometimes true. Sometimes, you know, the cross looks different every day. But, but they would understand exactly what Jesus meant when he said, carry your cross and follow me. And what does it look like? Well, it looks like these four things. It looks like carrying opposition. It means speaking about Jesus even when we feel 
uncomfortable. It, feels carrying, it means carrying shame, suffering, and ultimately, death. Death of dying to our own lives and following the lives that Jesus has in store for us. Now, I know that this is big stuff to talk about on a Sunday afternoon and after an amazing time of everybody getting baptized. But what Jesus is saying to us is that the only way that you can find true life is by following him. He's the only one who can really heal your soul, heal your heart, heal your life. He's the only one who you can truly find life and find restoration. But to follow him, the only way we can find this life The only way we can follow him is by denying ourselves, changing our minds, and picking up our cross and following him. Now, it's true. We won't get crucified nowadays, and our crosses will look different. Our journeys won't look the same. God will call us to go to different places and to different people. But what you can be assured of this, that if you do change your mind, change your path, and follow him, he will be with you. And no matter what you let go of in this life, if you follow him, if you carry your cross and say, Lord Jesus, wherever you take me, wherever you're calling me to go, and you really mean it, he'll be with you. And if he's with you, he's the only one you'll need to find true life. One of the stories that's most impacted me about this is the story of Jackie Pullinger. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read Chasing the Dragon. And um, Jackie Pullinger, she was 22 years old when she was here in the UK. She graduated from the Royal College of Music. And somebody shared with her what Jesus did for her on the cross and what it meant to follow him. And instantly she got a desire in her heart to be a missionary And she didn't know quite where to go, so she went to a prayer meeting, and they prayed for her, and somebody said to her to go to Hong Kong. Um, And it was the 70s, and she didn't quite know how to get to Hong Kong, so she just decided to sell everything that she had. She bought a ticket, and, and, and she got on a ship that went to Hong Kong. She didn't know the language. She didn't know the people. When she went to Hong Kong, she went to this place called the Walled City. Now, the Walled City was, um, was an unpoliced area. So that meant, that meant it became the largest opium producer in the world at that time. Because she taught music, she went to a school, and she started teaching music. She started youth clubs, and, and she, God started to do great work with her in the youth, which is amazing. But bit by bit, God started opening doors in her life for her to work with the tried gangsters um, that were in the area. And a lot of them were, were struggling with heroin addiction, and they'd struggled to come off of heroin um, But when Jackie met them, she had so much faith. She would say to them, don't worry, Jesus can heal you. And they would come and she'd pray for them. And in an instant, they'd be healed of their heroin addiction with no withdrawal symptoms whatsoever. Then these triad gangsters would then bring their other triad gangster friends to Jackie. And she'd pray with them too. And they'd be healed. She started these rehabilitation homes to really help them meet Jesus. And so many of them encountered Jesus. And one of the stories that most impacted me was one of them, they, they couldn't read. They couldn't read or, or speak English. So they, they, str- they struggled reading the Bible. So she said to them, don't worry, we can pray. And God will give you a prayer language for you to be able to pray with him and understand what you're, what you're praying. So they said, fine. Uh, she began to pray for him. 
And in an instant, this triad gangster um, started speaking in tongues in an angelic language. And they're all amazed. But then one of his friends, another triad gangster, they prayed for him, and then he started to interpret the angelic tongue. And he was interpreting Bible verses that the guy had never even read. And often this would be the way that Jackie Pullinger operated in Hong Kong in the walled city. Jackie Pullinger um, lived in poverty for most of her time while she was out there. She gave up everything that she had here in the UK, her family and her friends. She, she went somewhere where she didn't even speak the language, and she surrounded herself with people who could kill her. She sold all her possessions and gave them to the poor. And, and many times, actually, some of the people who she served would steal from her and, and take advantage of her. Most of her years in the walled city, she lived in complete obscurity with no one knowing her name. No one apart from Jesus. But she saw hundreds of tried gangsters healed of heroin addictions, probably thousands. She saw hundreds and thousands of people healed of bodily sicknesses, so many people giving their lives to Jesus. I think this is what it looks like to change our minds, change our path, and carry our cross to follow Jesus. And not all of us are going to go to the walled city in Hong Kong. God might call you to your workplace, to your city, to your, to your university, to your school, wherever your place. God can call you there. But he's calling you there to make an impact. You have a God-given calling on your life. A God-given purpose to make disciples, to impact your environment, to see the city rise, to see faith rise, to see our church rise. But who's God's, who, who's God's, who is God going to use? He's going to use you. And he wants to use you. He loves you so much. And he sees all the gifts that he's placed inside of you. But will you live your best life this year with Jesus? Will you change your mind? Will you change your path? Will you deny yourself? Will you pick up your cross? And will you follow him where he calls you to go? A question maybe for us could be, Who could God be calling you to serve this year? So Jesus says to us, change your mind, change your path. And the last thing I think he says is change your destiny if we're to live our best life this year. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And this is the command that Jesus gives. We've been looking at the command that Jesus gives to us. And he doesn't give it to us simply because he has the authority to give it. Give it. He gives it to us because he loves us. And he knows what we need. He knows what our soul needs more than we do. And here he gives us sort of um, the incentive. So if you are to pick up your cross, if you are to follow him, this is what will happen, and, and they start with four. The first one, the first four says, four, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you want to save your life? Do you want to find your life here on earth? Do you want to save your life both in this life and the next? Because this is only the beginning. We still have an eternity 
to look forward to? Do you want to be sure of where you'll spend it? Because Jesus wants you to spend it with him. Jesus wants you to live this life here, to live your best life here with him. But he also wants you to live in eternity with him. And this is what we've been talking about today. How do we live our best life? How do we find our life? How do we save it? Well, it's right here. This is the answer to all the questions of life. They're found in Jesus. Just follow him. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And you'll find your life. Then he says, for what will it profit a man? There's the other four. Four. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And these are rhetorical questions. And, questions and, the, and the answer that we can give is simply a statement. And the statement is nothing. We can give nothing back for our souls. If we gain all the approval, honor, comfort, and safety that the world has to offer, all the power, all the money, all of the, everything that the world has to offer, if we had it all, it wouldn't be enough to save our souls. So Jesus is saying, what's the point of living for these things? They can't get you anything. Let go of those things and live for me because I can give you everything. So do you want to live your best life now? Do you want to find your life Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Change your mind, change your path, and you'll change your destiny for this life and the next. And what's interesting about Jesus is when we deny ourselves, when we, when we deny ourselves of, of all these things and, and really pick these things up to follow him, that's the only time where we will have true approval, honor, comfort, and safety. Because really, God is the only one who can truly give us that. And he wants to give it to you. He wants you to find your life. He wants you to save your soul. He wants you to live your best life, both in this life and the next. Shall we pray?